And yay, coming from the wilderness of an FBS losing streak, a football team rose victorious from the shadow of touchdown Jesus. Stanford beats Notre Dame. Thank heavens. Or whomever. Some of y'all might be calling this a miracle. (laughs) I'm just happy we're all calling it a win for Stanford football. Cardinal in the win column as they beat Notre Dame in South Bend, 16-14 the final score. And that is what we are here to discuss on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Great to have you with us here on Sunday, October 16th, 2022. Hey, how's your weekend been? I'm sure it's been pretty good, <laughs> especially if you're a Stanford fan and especially, especially if you're inspired up about uh, that result as the uh, Stanford football program itself is. Stanford with a big early lead, cough it up in the fourth quarter, but then do just enough to finish it out. Finally, a finishing win for Stanford, this one on the road. And for the entire nation to watch as well, not bad. You're going to hear all sorts of things from post-game thoughts from several folks, including Stanford football head coach David Shaw, quarterback Tanner McKee, safety Jonathan McGill, and kicker Joshua Cardi. So you'll hear the post-game thoughts of those four guys as we will break down Stanford football as only we can. Nobody else does this in the podcast space. We've been doing this since 2015. The TreeCast, of course, has become the go-to podcast for Stanford football and Stanford fans overall since that time. No sense in stopping now as Stanford gets the win to bring themselves up to 2-4 and four on the season. I'm Troy Clarity. This is my 30th year following Stanford football. You can also catch me out, catch me on the Pac-12 Network as a play-by-play announcer for them. You can also hear me as a play-by-play announcer for the Compass Media Networks for their football coverage, including college football and the little NFL as well. And that begins coming up in a couple of weeks. Really looking forward to that. Subscribe to the TreeCast, rate it, and review it. Enjoy it. Tell other folks about it because, yes, indeed, if you want to follow Stanford Athletics in the podcast space, this is where you come. Glad to be a part of it and glad to uh, fulfill the role that we do here on the TreeCast. Stanford and South Bend on Saturday night in desperate need of a win. Cardinal went up 13 to nothing, but then the Irish answered with two touchdowns to take a 14-13 fourth quarter lead. But unlike against Oregon State, Stanford found a way to finish. And David Shaw, after the game, said that Stanford may have left South Bend with more than just a win. Uh, This is good momentum for us. Um, And and it starts with a difficult game. You know, momentum doesn't start with an easy game. Momentum starts with a tough game on the road that you have to finish in the fourth quarter with all three phases. Offense got the score. Offense got the drive. Special teams got the score. Uh, Defense shut the door. And uh, I'm really proud of these guys. And excited about where we are right now and try to finish the season this way that we started today. As David Shaw, you'll hear a lot more from him throughout the remainder of the show, as well as thoughts from Tanner McKee, Joshua Cardi, and John McGill. And we'll fire it up with three things you need to know about Stanford Notre Dame in just a moment. But first, a reminder that football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. 
always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your awards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's hop into it. Three things you need to know about Stanford's win over Notre Dame. Let's fire it up with number one. And the first thing you need to know is that, yes, it's a win. How about that? (laughs) An 11-game losing streak against FBS competition is over. And Stanford's, at times, quite painful four-game losing streak uh, for this year is uh, by the wayside as well. And especially after how things went, that finish against Oregon State the week before, man, this was a much-needed result. David Shaw on what this win means. Um, to come back out here, win this game, get the Legends Trophy, bring that back uh, to Stanford, California is outstanding. Uh, but more importantly, um, our guys um, got that taste in their mouth now. How to play well, how to get into a tight game at the end of the ge- uh, at the end of the fourth quarter, and find a way to finish. And um, now I anticipate, and you know, we're going to take care of these guys again. So we're going to get back at you know three, four o'clock in the morning again, probably third or fourth week in a row. Lost count. Um, so we still have to keep, take care of them this week. So we get our legs back. Uh, we got a chance to come back home and uh, play another great game uh, at home against uh, with our fans. God, you can almost just hear him exhaling there. Really, uh, Victoria's postgame tradition for Stanford is the old. Whose house? See house. Chant that the players do in the locker room afterwards. Well, after the game, I asked Tanner McKee if the team revived the chant after beating Notre Dame. Of course we did. Uh, <laughs> our guy Josh Cardi, he was money all night um, and had some really clutch game or really clutch kicks. Um, really proud of him. We all kind of knew how good he was, but. We're wondering when he was going to be able to show it, and I, I think he definitely showed it tonight, um, and we're really excited for him. Joshua Cardi leading the Seahouse chant. How about that? that? That's pretty cool. And even better, that the fellas get to bring out that chant once again for the first time in over a year. Hopefully they're breaking it out again this Saturday. Let's move on to number And a lot of this game actually hinged on fourth down for Notre Dame late first quarter, fourth and goal up to Stanford five. Irish trying to tie the game at seven. They call a fly sweep. Man, that play has killed Stanford for years. But Stanford stopped it for no gain. We'll do a deeper dive on that particular play later on in the show. For Stanford, three fourth downs with really intriguing results. Second quarter, Stanford up 7-0. Ball to Notre Dame 28. Fourth and two with a minute 45 to go before half. Shaw elected to go for it. I would have kicked it. Tried to pass in the flat to feel fullback shield Taylor. It was incomplete. Taylor was held, but the Pac-12 officiating crew didn't call it. Not a great day for Pac-12 refereeing crews throughout the country. Uh, late third quarter, Stanford up 13-7. to Stanford facing fourth and two with the Notre Dame 41. Went for it again. Bill can stop the yard short. Notre Dame responds with a go-ahead touchdown. So for those of you who say, oh, David Shaw always punts in plus territory, well, Shaw went for it both times. They went 0-2. But it came down to this. 2.35 to go. Stanford up 16-14. Fourth and eight from the Notre Dame, 38. Shaw passes up the 56-yard field goal attempt and chooses to punt. I thought that was the right move in real time. And after the game, I asked Shaw if he had any thought of actually kicking the field goal there. Uh, a little bit deep. A little yep. bit deep. 
um, with with how much we work on our what we call sting punt, which is the the, the keep them backed up and how good our, our guys are, not just our punter, but our, our gunners. Um, that's an advantage for us. So running the ball like we did, you know, those last couple plays, forcing them to take their last three timeouts. It's not popular. It's not sexy, but doggone it, it works. Now make them take all three of their timeouts and then pin them back to the 10 yard line. Um, that's a long way to go you know, with, with, uh, with, with less than two minutes to go with no timeouts. And um, our, our defense played great all night. We put them on there uh, to go finish, finish the game, and they finished the game. Yeah, it worked. Notre Dame had to start at its own 10-yard line on its final drive. And, and I thought it was the right move because if you missed the field goal, that just would have put Notre Dame in too good a field position. And plus, the, the defense for Stanford was actually playing at a trustable level. Speaking of that, let's wrap up three things with number three. What a roller coaster ride for safety John McGill in the fourth quarter. On one drive in that stanza, McGill came off the edge, made a big tackle for loss and run support on Notre Dame's big running back, then got called for defensive pass interference, first down Notre Dame. Then he recovered a big fumble. That was all on three successive plays. McGill with the big hand in all of them, both positive and a bit on the negative side. But McGill's biggest play came on Notre Dame's final drive, fourth and seven at the Irish 25 with a minute left. And McGill coming in, breaking up the pass to end it. Game, set, match, Cardinal. Afterwards, I asked John McGill to take us through his memorable fourth quarter. You know, I just give all the credit to my teammates. Um, you know, I didn't, you know, do anything special um, when this the play presented itself. You know, I just felt like I needed to make it. Um, you know, credit to Kendall for getting that forced fumble on the the uh, fumble that I recovered. Um, you know, credit, you know, to uh, Jacob for getting a PBU, making them having to throw the ball on fourth down. So I got another opportunity to get a PBU at the end of the game. Um, and then, you know, credit to our defensive front, you know, for, you know, just getting penetration to, to, to give a read to, you know, to give it to the running back so I could actually come off the edge. Um, and make a play. And so, um, you know, a lot of the plays that I made today wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for my teammates, if it wasn't for them, you know, doing their job and doing their assignment and when the play presented it, um, you know, just just have the confidence to, to make it. It's Jonathan McGill. What an answer. What an absolute answer uh, by McGill. And he's right, because Stanford played true team defense from start to finish. Notice the emphasis on finish. Those are three things. Numbers from this game, Tanner McKee, 26 of 38 for 288 yards. Casey Filkins, 32 carries for just 91 yards, but 32 carries, man. It has been a long, long time since a Stanford running back has carried the ball 32 times or more. Mike Wilson led the way with nine catches for 66 yards in the receiving category. Elijah Higgins had the most receiving yards by any Stanford uh, receiver with 81 on five grabs. On the defensive side, Jacob mangum Farrar he was busy. Ten tackles with a pass broken up. Stephen Heron coming through with two sacks, including a strip sack late in the first half that allowed Stanford uh, to kick a field goal to take a 10-0 lead after eschewing the field goal earlier in that uh, later portion of the second quarter. Stanford broke up six passes as a team. How about that? And maybe the most important hidden number, the turnover margin. Stanford plus two. The strip sack in the uh, second quarter 
and the fumble recovered in the fourth quarter. Cardinal didn't turn the ball, ball over at all, put it on the ground a couple times, but no turnovers for Stanford. Good stuff in that, in that category. We are going to have to keep an eye on the injury front. Uh, wide receiver Michael Wilson, edge uh, rusher David Bailey, and right tackle Jack Lair all left the game with injuries that were undisclosed. We will try to get more information, and I'm sure David Shaw will volunteer that information when he has his weekly press conference coming up uh, on Tuesday. So, you know, football's a rough game, and uh, victory coming at a price for the Cardinal. How large a price on the personnel side, we'll find out later on in the week. I want to get to the offensive line, which was my big concern coming into this game given all the shuffling that was having to be done from a personnel standpoint with injuries just rolling right through the Stanford offensive line. That was my biggest concern coming in. I want to get into that in a moment, but but in breaking down this game overall, I got to start with the defensive side of the ball. The much maligned Stanford defense, because they, they set the tone for this one. And it started right at the very beginning. Jackson Moy knocking down a pass on the third play of the game to kill Notre Dame's first possession and force the Irish to go three and out to start the game. And it really continued from there, especially throughout much of the first half. And we go back to the play that we talked about in in, in three things at the end of the first quarter. Notre Dame fourth and two with the Stanford five, and they try that fly sweep that I still have nightmares about that play, especially when Oregon State used to run it back in the day with uh, Jack Wiz Rogers <laughs> and those dudes. Oh, my God, it would kill Stanford every single time. So Notre Dame breaking out the fly sweep, trying to get to the outside, to the left side. But so many different things happened here on this play that Stanford executed near perfectly. And I'm glad the NBC cameras and Jason Garrett, the color commentator, uh, for NBC on the Notre Dame broadcast, actually pointed this out. It might have actually even started before the snap with Caillou Blue Kelly following the receiver in motion, the same receiver who would later take the snap on the jet sweep. And Caillou Blue Kelly signaling to the rest of the guys, hey, I think the sweep's coming. I think it's coming. Then at the snap of the ball, Jackson Moy penetrating, maybe disrupting the timing of things just a little bit. After the receiver took the snap, after after the receiver took the handoff, you had Ethan Bonner and Kendall Williamson, guys from the secondary, forcing the play back inside after making their way into the backfield. Patrick Fields, another secondary member, stuck him. Big hit. And then everyone else arrived. No gain on the play. That's the best team defense play that Stanford has put forth. This year, and maybe I'd throw in last year, too. And I I noted this at halftime on Twitter. The Stanford defense looked communicative, cohesive, coordinated, active, and angry. Things that we had not seen from Stanford, certainly throughout the first, the first three games against FBS competition this year. That play summed up Stanford's newfound approach to team defense that we saw bits and pieces of last week against Oregon State. But that play summed it all up. And it's going to be a big hit in film session. 
and it continued throughout the night. Caillou Blue Kelly, back from injury. Boy, was he missed the week before against Oregon State. He was back and blanketing wide receivers, doing what he does. Ethan Bonner coming up big, blowing up a Notre Dame reverse, dropping it for a loss of eight, making plays in the pass game too. Bonner is really starting to come along. and He's certainly been tested enough and a big way for him to rebound after his role in the finish against Oregon State. Patrick Fields, same for him in his role in that final play against Oregon State. He made big plays. Jackson Moy, Anthony Franklin, Stephen Heron, the guys up front getting it done too. As you would expect, David Shaw, quite proud of the Cardinal defense. Caillou came back with a vengeance tonight. Um, he's one of the best corners in America. He showed that tonight. Uh, Ethan Bonner's been playing great. Um, you know, I talked to Ethan you know, about that last play last week, and he had a great game, and we're not going to let his, his whole game get washed away uh, by the last play last, last week. So Ethan came back out and had another great game. So our safeties came out and had a great game. Um, and you talk about the, the front. We got some guys in the front that are just growing a little bit, right? Um, uh, and, and Stephen Heron came through big for us. Uh, I mean, we lost David Bailey, but Aaron Armitage came in there. He played well. Um, Jackson Moy made some big plays tonight. Uh, so we got a nice group of, of young guys and old guys mix um, that I think are starting to hit their stride, um, playing fast, playing physical. Give Coach Anderson a lot of credit. Um, we talked about being more aggressive, um, a, a little bit more pressure, a little bit more movement. Uh, that's been good for us the last couple of weeks. So, uh, like I said, I'm excited about where we are. Very proud of this football team. Uh, more than being proud of them, I'm, I'm happy for them. And they needed this. They needed this, this closure, this victory uh, to reward all their effort and energy and now I'm excited about where we are Come back home. Yeah, and, and as we just discussed, it's a continuation of things that we saw against Oregon State, but just extended throughout an entire 60-minute period when Stanford finally realized it's okay to bring guys up from the secondary to help win the line of scrimmage. It's okay. I mean, the secondary is your best unit defensively, right? Get them as involved in all phases as you possibly can. We Finally started to see those things for a player or two against Oregon, really. More consistently against Oregon State. But now it seems to be completely embraced as a total concept that you can roll with for a game plan, for an entire game. Now, even though the secondary was doing its part to help out and win the line of scrimmage, uh, Jonathan McGill pointed out afterwards that the Stanford defensive line was doing pretty well on its own. Big credit to, you know, our defensive front, um, you know, Tobin, um, you know, Anthony Franklin, uh, Steven, um, David, when he was in, um, Aaron Armitage, like a whole bunch of guys stepped up um, and made some some plays that it looked like a running back could get, you know, 10 yards. But, you know, you look at the sticks and it was only a gain of three or four. And so um, big credit to our defensive front. Big credit to Coach Anderson and Coach Dyron for uh, getting us right. Yeah, impressive stuff by Moy and, and Franklin, Stephen Heron, as we mentioned, uh, with two sacks. The guys up front led the way. But the secondary put in big work as well, specifically against Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer. That dude's a beast, man. He is. He's nasty. And he, he, he led coming into the game. He led the FBS in tight end receptions coming into the game. Five catches for 60 yards. Good night, but, but didn't really explode. Didn't really blow up. Didn't go into total beast mode like Mayer 
can and has for Notre Dame at points this year. One for a lack of trying. It certainly was not for a lack of trying as Notre Dame kept coming to him 10 targets on the evening for Michael Mayer on the night. So one for a lack of trying. But more often than not, Mayer just wasn't there. After the game, I asked McGill what it took to limit Mayer. We definitely, you know, bracketed him. And, you know, when we did have the opportunity, uh, we definitely leaned to him. Um, a lot of our coverage and a lot of our emphasis was surrounding uh, Michael. Um, he's a you know heck of a football player, a big time uh, playmaker for them. And so when we did have our opportunities in one high, you know, we leaned to him, kept an eye on him. Um, you know, but when he was, you know, isolated with Caillou or Ethan, we trusted, you know, them to definitely stand up to the task. Um, and so I just felt like, you know, we had a really good game plan coming in. Um, I felt like we executed it really well um, and limited, you know, uh, their offense to, you know, what they normally do. Yeah, Michael Mayer is a good player. And and as we, you know, played the soundbite um, last week as well, Mayer is not just good in the pass game. He's good in the run game, too. Terrific blocker. Uh, there was one block that he made on a trap up the middle uh, to help uh, free a, a Notre Dame running back for a for a sizable gain. That was that was beautiful stuff. You you you'll probably see that uh, when they're running running through his highlight package uh, for the NFL draft whenever that comes. But outside of a couple of plays here and there, Mayer didn't really do much. And credit the Stanford defense for that. It's amazing what happens when Stanford plays defense. You kind of you, you you'd kind of forgotten what it had looked like. And Notre Dame gave them some help early on. They they kept they kept making big mistakes and committing penalties on first down. Kept finding their finding themselves behind the chains, and in second and long quite often, especially in the first half. But you know what? Stanford took it and made sure that Notre Dame got off the field after getting behind the chains. Hats off to the Stanford defense. As, as much as as much guff as they've taken, certainly on this show, throughout other points of the year, hats off. Hats off to those guys. Offensively, there are two position groups I want to shine a spotlight on. And I want to go back to the offensive line. And that was my major, major concern coming into this one. From an injury standpoint, with Walter Rouse missing the game at left tackle, with Levi Rogers missing the game at right guard, you already had Jack Lair, who had played quite well in a couple games of action. But Miles Hinton returning from injury, which side was Hinton going to play? So they were just, and, and there was no basically no depth behind those guys with. Connor McLaughlin and Barrett Miller uh, still on the shelf. Neither of those guys were on the depth chart entering the Notre Dame game. But major, major, major concerns that I had, and I voiced them on the show last week, about the offensive line. You know what? That group held its own. They held their own. Now, did they look like the hogs of the 1980s? No. Did they look like the Stanford offensive lines that they would trot out back in the you know, back back like 10 years ago? No, they didn't, but they held their own. They held their own. And in the fourth quarter, they did it without Jack Lair. Freshman Fisher Anderson. We we told you he might get a look should something happen to one of the starting offensive linemen against Notre Dame. And Lair missed at least the fourth quarter. I, I looked up when Sanford began the fourth quarter and, and, and Anderson was out there. That's when I first noticed him. But Stanford's offensive line kept plugging away. 
Tanner McKee very happy with how things turned out for the offensive line, especially considering some of the schemes the offense was throwing at Notre Dame. I was out of the pocket a lot on um, just like designed rollouts and things like that. So we definitely moved the pocket, have something for them to think about, had a few shovel passes them to think about. So even when we do roll out, they can't just fly out there. So um, I thought our scheme was great. And I thought the guys did a great job. A lot of guys that haven't got a ton of reps, I mean, Drake Metcalf and, and Fisher, those guys definitely stepped up in, when we really needed them. Um, Miles playing left tackle when he's always played right tackle. So definitely a lot of guys that stepped up. I'm really proud of those guys. Yeah, rollouts and shovel passes, those are things that can be a bit difficult and a bit complicated for offensive lines, especially guys who haven't really worked together uh, as a cohesive unit to get coordinated and to get their timing down on the blocks and, 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 the, and the paths they need to take and all those sorts of things. At the same time, though, the play calling and the scheme also helped the offensive line, especially when they went quicker and got the ball out of McKee's hands more quickly to the wide receivers. David Shaw, on what he saw from the offensive line. Losing Branson Bragg pretty much before the season really ever got started. Um, and having to put Levi in and now replace guys here and there. So we've just done a, a really good job. Coach Heffern deserves a lot of credit for just preparing our young guys to play. And if you are in the top seven or eight, you just got to be ready to play. So those guys have gotten a lot of reps. Um, Fisher, last couple of weeks, has got a lot of reps. Um, we know what he's good at. We know what he can do. Um, we think he's going to be outstanding uh, when he gets more plays and more years under his belt. Um, we had to put him out there, and um, he went out there and battled. And that's all we can ask is go out there and fight, know what to do, and do the, do your best job. And he did that, and uh, he was able to give us a winning performance. David Shaw, and yeah, uh, he, I, I Fisher-Anderson battled, and the whole guys, the whole offensive line battled as well. And again, I wouldn't call them dominant by any stretch, although it was nice to see some, a little return to the power running game for a moment or so. In the second quarter, Philkins picking up eight on first down. And you went, whoa, oh, okay. I, I kind of forgotten what that looked like, too. Was the offensive line dominant against Notre Dame? No, but they got it done. They got it done. Kudos to them. David Shaw's hopeful, hopeful for a Walter Rouse's return uh, this upcoming week against Arizona State, by the way. We'll, we'll certainly keep an eye on that. Offensive line deserves a shout-out. Wide receivers, I also thought. Uh, deserved a spotlight as well offensively. They played a fantastic game, in my mind. Led by Michael Wilson, who was leveling up before leave, leaving the game in the third quarter. Check out this first half by Wilson, by the way. Eight targets, eight catches, five receptions on third down, three of them moving the chains, four catches overall for first downs, and 55 yards after the catch. That was just in the first half for him. Just an ultimate competitor's performance by Wilson. You saw him work out there, and you knew he was not going to be stopped. Unfortunately, he was by injury. Again, we'll keep an eye on that and uh, hope for the best um, in that department. But when Wilson went out, Elijah Higgins started to step to the fore a bit more. Gorgeous 38-yard catch down the seam off the slow mesh in the third quarter. Got a bit dinged up on that play, but returned. Return later on. That's nice to see Higgins. He also had a nice catch in the first quarter as well uh, on, on a well-conceived play. Fake the wide receiver screen to the right side where Higgins lines up in the slot, and he darts to the outside to the sideline like he's going to be the blocker 
for the outside receiver who was, you know, is presumably going to catch the wide receiver screen. But instead, very quickly, Higgins darts back inside, runs a quick slant, and McKee hits him very quickly. I like that play. I liked it. See, imaginative and easy ways to get the ball out of McKee's hands, place less an emphasis on the on the offensive line, and get the ball out there to your, to your receivers who can make plays. Easy stuff that we didn't really see a whole lot of, especially against Washington or Oregon, it seemed. But Elijah Higgins with a big couple big catches. Bryson Tremaine with chain movers in the second half. Big stuff, too. Ben Urosik. No one was happier to see the wide receivers ball out like that than, of course, the quarterback, the guy throwing the passes, Tanner McKee. Yeah, I thought they did a great job. Um, Notre Dame ran a lot of cover one um, and then switched it up, ran a little bit of cover two. Um, but we said it from the beginning, when they do run cover one, we're going to have to take advantage and we're going to have to win our one-on-one matchups. And I thought our guys did a great job of, of being open or being on a side, allowing for the back shoulder um, and, and running our routes and doing our thing. So um, thought they did a really good job of winning those one-on-one matchups. I mean, kind of like you said, a lot of those were third down and they were huge because they wanted to bring internal pressure and things like that. So um, just allowing our guys to win one-on-one was huge and ultimately um, changed. It, it was a game changer for us. Tanner McKee winning one-on-one battles. Remember when we talked about that with the Stanford wide receivers, especially after the USC game where I didn't think the receivers – did a lot to help McKee out in some key instances in battling for balls. Some that went for turnovers, others that that prevented Stanford from moving the chains in that game. Remember that discussion that we had after that game? We talked about wide receivers winning one-on-one battles. Much better, much better against Notre Dame. Boy, what a difference. What a difference a win makes, man. <laughs> what a difference. Stanford fans last week were in a bad, bad mood. Some of them were taking it on me, I think. Well, fine, whatever. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. It's all good. The players, however, didn't seem to be in a bad mood, intriguingly enough, according to David Shaw. He said it was a it was a great week of practice right from the beginning, and he mentioned how he was even a bit concerned about where his team would be mentally coming off that finish against Oregon State. I certainly was. But Shaw said after the game that it was a great week of practice right from the start. All right. And it's certainly nice to be playing post-game sound bites from the student-athletes. That sounds like this. Yeah, I think, you know, this is the super important win. Um, You know, two and four versus one and five is enormously different, uh, especially – Coming back home next week, I believe. Our team needed some momentum. We just needed a spark. Um, it should have happened two weeks ago, but, uh, you know, we persevered. Um, no one thought we could win this game. So we started to spark uh, tonight instead. That's kicker Joshua Cardi, and there's also this from Tanner McKee. I mean, last week our goals were to start fast and protect the QB, and we did those things, but we have to play a full game. This week we're like, okay, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to come out. We're going to start fast. Um, defense had a great stop and then offense drove down um, and we're going to have to keep keep that going throughout the game. So um, just building off it is going to be huge. Um, really love some things that we were able to put on film, but obviously I have a ton of things that we got to change and we got to tweak to 
keep making this next step. This is far from our best. Um, this is far from the end product. We got to keep uh, keep getting better and use this as a stepping stool. Yeah, far from the end product indeed. But if this is where Stanford is right now, it starts to make you think and be a bit more excited about how things could go down the stretch of the season. Now, now, you know, I, I got a I got a text from from someone I I trust, a Stanford football follower that I trust big time in a major major way. And he said, you know, hey, I still feel like Stanford should be three and three. And I was like, well, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. It, it's, it, it does, in a lot of ways, feel like Stanford should still be three and three at this point. But given things, I'll still take two and four over one and five. Like Joshua Cardi hinted at in the soundbite we just played from him a few moments ago. I'll take two and four. As big of a difference as there is between two and four and three and three, it's probably an even bigger difference between one and five and two and four. So there is that. And, you know, the mind maybe starts to look ahead a little bit. You know, you start to feel better a little bit about, about how things could look going forward. I mean, Arizona State, yeah, they're coming off of a big win against Washington um, down at home last week. Uh, they had the bye week this week. But, uh, yeah, they're coming off a big win. But, you know, if the coach coming off of his first game, you know, at home, kids tend to rally around the coach in that kind of situation. We just saw that in Boulder. Oh, Cal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, and that team might have some problems, G. But, you know, that still wasn't exactly the most stable situation that Arizona State is in. UCLA, they got a big game this week against Oregon. What kind of mindset are they going to be coming off of that game? And what kind of physical shape are they going to be in coming off that game when they play Stanford in a couple weeks? Washington State looks pretty good at home, but a bit meek and feeble on the road. Utah's Utah. That's going to be a tough one. That, that, that's going to be a real tough one for Stanford. Cal? My God, who knows? BYU? Eh? They've been kind of middling of late. So, you know, you kind of start to wonder, wander a little bit, you know, start to think about, you know, is the math there to get Stanford to six and six? And I'll, 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 I was, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was laying awake in the middle of the night <laughs> on Saturday night, and I was starting to think of some possibilities. And then I said, you know what? No, let's just make sure that Stanford takes care of business against Arizona State. Because momentum's only as big as your next game. And if Stanford doesn't take care of the Sun Devils, then in a lot of ways, we might be right back to square one all over again. So let's just make sure that Stanford takes care of business against Arizona State. But you know what? Celebrate the win, too, right? You've got thoughts on the show on Stanford football, of course. Give them to me. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go there via Twitter. We will come at you on Thursday. Busy week ahead for me. I got uh, Stanford uh, got a field hockey game. I got Pac-12 Network stuff on Friday. And, of course, a 1 o'clock kickoff this week? Really? Oh, okay. I'd forgotten what those would look like for Stanford. <laughs> Stanford football on Saturday. So a busy week ahead. We should come your way on Thursday with the next episode of the TreeCast. Can't wait for that. Post-game audio came from head coach David Shaw, quarterback Tanner McKee, safety John McGill, and kicker Joshua Cardi. 
As always, our biggest thanks goes out to you for checking out the show, for being a part of the program and supporting the TreeCast. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. We'll talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online.